Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Chris, how are you, dude? Doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm doing a lot better. Do you know why? Why is that? Because I've just heard this. Oh, nice. <laughs> I can't believe it, man. Now, this is obviously an upfront listen to me. Um, I adore this song so much. And it wouldn't have been an obvious cover choice for Blackstone Cherry for me, but you have stamped the BSC sound all over it. Before we go into the chat, let's just... <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, so good. When did that start getting kicked around, the idea to cover that? Electric Light Orchestra, Don't Bring Me Down. Man, that was a last-minute thing. Um, there was a Fleetwood Mac song Ben had mentioned us doing, and... Um, it was Age of 17 or something. I don't remember. But Ben had mentioned the Fleetwood Mac song, and I was like, that's cool, man. We could make it a thing. And we were kind of throwing around different songs, and then all at once, I don't know why, but it's just one of those songs we had always jammed to on the bus. But I pulled up that song, and everybody was like, okay, well, yeah, that's what we're going to finally do. <laughs> and we just did it, man. It's so it almost sounds like Motorhead doing it, if that makes sense. It's kind of just this I'll take it. powerful I'll take it. balls out, like it's such a kick in cover and I couldn't have been happier. Like I never look at track titles when I'm listening to like a pre stream of an album because I never want to like try and, you know, I guess come up with any preconceived notions of what any of the songs might be. And for instance, if right. I had if I had have looked at your track listing, I would have seen the chain and gone, oh, they've covered Fleetwood Mac there. But I never look at yeah. them until after I've heard it. And so, and that's kind of tucked away towards the end of the record. And when it came in, I was like, hang on, this sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. Right. They've done it. Dude, so good. <laughs> I can't stop playing it. Um, well, first of all, mate, it's nice to catch up and it's nice to have a, a proper one on one chat with you. It's been, it's been a minute. Yeah, dude. It's uh, a lot longer than it should have been, man. You know, I mean, we should be in your territory right now. You know, we should be mid-tour in the UK. We should have played the Albert Hall a couple of days ago. And ah, damn it, man! You know, here we are, though. So it is what it is. My last show was on my birthday, 
which was March the 11th, at the Royal Albert Hall watching Brian Ferry from Roxy Music. That was the last gig that I went to. And when I saw you guys were going to be playing in there when it was announced last year, um, I was was it last year it was announced? It must have been. I, I was so excited yeah, for you because it's such an amazing room and it lends itself really well to what you guys do. Like there's been bands in the past that are in the lineage that you're a part of. Bands like Cream have played there. And, and Robert Plant and Chris Cornell and people like that. And it's it's such a beautiful set. Have you been and visited and seen the venue? Have you been inside it yet? Man, I've never been, I've never set foot on the property. Um, uh, you know, man, the Albert Hall is one of those gigs that <clears throat> the minute we sold out the Astoria, I wanted to know how many seats the Albert Hall was. Right, I love it. So it's been, it's, it is, it's been it, on the mind for a while then. Dude, literally, I have, I have been up our booking agent's ass. He's like, dude, I got you Wembley Arena. I'm like, I don't care. I want that Albert Hall, man. Like, I, dude, like, there's so many legendary performances at that venue, and I just, you know, man, I, I, I want to step on that stage and and feel the energy of that room, and, you know, man, like, as far as all the gigs we had to cancel, I mean, it sucks for every one of them, you know, or postpone rather. All of them suck, but the one that was the toughest that I was just like, fuck, man, this is like, this is miserable, was, um, what was Albert Hall? Because I, man, I've been, since 2007, you know, it's been the, it's been the gig that I've chased, you know, um, just like that one gig, man. We've got to play some of the most amazing places, man. You know, we played castles and we've, we played the arenas and we've, we, we played, you know, the biggest festivals, you know, at the, some of the greatest slots. And we've done so many things that we could have never fathomed. But that one that's always felt like I could grab it somehow, fucker just keeps eluding me somehow, man. Oh, but look, I'll be damn it. We're, we're, we're doing it in 2021. I promise you that. You're going to get if, it. If I have to, if I have to swim with little arm floaties, and some kind of device to keep my big ass warm and playing a hall in 2021, man. Oh, man, your name is written all over it. It's in the stars. It's going to happen. Like where there is a will, there is a way. And you send goodwill out into the world. And I believe that what you hope to, to come true manifests itself if you think that way. And it's going to happen, dude. It's going to happen for sure. And when I'm there, oh, I'll be rooting for it's, you every step of the way. I appreciate that, man. And and we've always been a band of that mindset of not a if but a when, you know. And yep, it's uh, you know, it's it's not if, it's just when. And it was on the books, and we got it postponed, and uh, it broke my heart, man. Because I remember when when our agent Red called me up, he's like, "You got the hall," and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I probably said I probably made up bad words that shouldn't even exist. When uh, when he gave me that information, and it just blew my mind, man. Like it, it completely blew me away that we finally had it, and and we will, man. So I don't want to dwell on what was supposed to have been a couple of days ago. Well, it's been a wild ride, man, and I guess I've known you guys since the the Devil in the Deep Blue Sea era, which was like you know two thousand and eleven ish, and I've sort of seen the the beautiful evolution and growth of this band and I've seen the UK as a whole I'm sure other parts of the world have as well but obviously I can only comment on what I've seen which is my my country and I've just seen this country like take you guys into their hearts over the last decade and it's been a wonderful thing to witness like from walking into a dressing room and seeing John Fred naked all those years ago to seeing you guys headlining festivals and and headlining arenas and and being there every step of the way and watching that it's been such an amazing thing to see, and this, I believe, is a, a minor bump in the road, is all this is. Oh, man, John Fred's still naked in the dressing room. <laughs> well, yeah, I, Some things never change, man. I had a I bone mean, to pick things... with him, Chris, because the last time I saw him, I didn't get to see the rest of you guys, but I saw John, and I, I saw him the night before you headline Ramblin' Man. He came out to Camden, and I was DJing in the World's End, and he came along, and <laughs> I had, like at the most two drinks with him and then i went home and he went off into the night and continued the party and then i believe the next day he was just in a world of pain before you guys played your set 
And when I, I arrived on it. site, when I arrived on site, everybody was like, what did you do to John Fred yesterday? And I gathered that he just gone around telling everybody that it was my fault and just threw me under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. No, man. He, uh, what, what that turned into is like, man, I was hanging out with Matt and it just, shit got crazy, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, no, dude, we, uh, it, it's it's been incredible, man. The way that that y'all have taken us in over there. It's uh, you know we've been very very fortunate, and we've been received very well in other parts of the world as well. But nowhere, not even at home, um, do we have the welcome that we have in the UK, man. It's just it's mind blowing to me that four dudes from a little town in Kentucky have been able to you know connect with so many people. So many thousand miles away, man. It just—that's crazy to me. I think there's for me, if I had to sort of stipulate why that is, right? I would say first and foremost, it's because your music is so authentic and it comes from the heart. And I think you can tell when a band is putting on an act, right? And they're trying to be something that they're not. And obviously the style of music that you guys play is exotic and alien to people who live in the UK because although we know that sound, you know, and the Rolling Stones and English bands have convincingly done it, but it's a very American sound. And and to do it as truthfully and authentically as you guys do from the heart, I think that's a big part of it is the combination of the exotic and the alien, but also the authentic and the the believable and the real. That's what I would say, perhaps, is you know, the, and obviously great songs as well. But I think people just see that you guys really mean it, and you live those songs, and you live that life, and that's who you are, and and they love it for that reason. I think. Man, I, I sincerely appreciate that. Look, I mean, my voice is kind of shot today because we did a thing the other day um, for the first time in eight months. Right, which wow. was amazing. Um, we, we filmed a show that we're going to stream and it was, it was absolutely amazing. Um, but man, you know, going back to that, I, you hear how I talk and I, when I sing, it's not a lot different. Yep. Um, I'm just, we are who we are and we've unapologetically been us no matter what album it's been. I mean, you know, every album we've done has had similarities, but they've all been uniquely different in my opinion as well. Um, and I think two that have been the most drastically different would probably be family tree to the human condition. Um, yeah. And the reason, reason I say that is like, you know, with family tree, we were in this point of our lives or man, we just wanted to go have fun and play music and sing songs about having fun and playing music. Yep. You know, we had, we had done the, the writing songs for radio and, and pleasing, you know, everyone else in the world. And we had done stuff like that for so long that we just wanted to have some damn fun. And we did that, dude. And the blues EPs were a huge part of that as well. Um, and when it came time to do this record, nobody really had any earthly idea what we wanted. You know, everybody was kind of throwing different things in the air sonically. And we knew we had some songs that we thought might work that were some older songs that just had never felt right for the records before. And with us going in kind of blank, we, uh, you know, we had maybe eight songs that were complete songs that were potential, you know, studio candidates. But we really went in with that without knowing what we were going to do. And that first day that we were tracking, we decided to uh, to cut one of those songs and just see where it took us. And we knew we wanted to kind of redo certain parts of that song. And that song is called Some Stories. Um, and that song was recorded a long, a long time ago originally for the demo. Um, and it just, it, it wasn't right. Um, and we got in there, man. And, you know, we got to that bridge section and we were like, all right, what are we going to do here? Because we were just laying down some guitar tracks and bass for John Fred to play to. Um, and it just kind of fell into place. And we showed up and all four of us, had been listening to at least two of the same five records the weekend prior. And what's funny is the one record that we had all, all four had been listening to the most was that, that debut audio slave record, man. And it was just like the songs were so powerful on that album that uh, it was a big influence on this record. 
So we do some stories, and that kind of, you know, shaped the rest of the record. Um, and we were just kind of off to the races, man. And, and this record is a, it's a lot different um, than Family Tree, but it's, it's, uh, it, it's a good one, man. <laughs> I got to say, it's, I feel like it's some of our strongest work ever. There's no barn dancers, like no barn burners, right, on this one. This is a lot more of a soulful, wistful, contemplative. That's how the kind of emotions I took away from it, listening to it for the first couple of times, is this is a more introspective and reflective record. Is that safe to say? And it's soothing and soulful, man. Some of these melodies are so soaring and beautiful. And your your voice sounds on point. Have you been doing a lot of training as well? Have you been trying to flex those vocal no, muscles man. of yours no actually so what happened was we got we finished touring last year uh in november and i had blown my voice out and it wasn't coming back <laughs> you know a month went by and my voice wasn't coming back and i was kind of like oh shit what's going on here and you know we fast forward to january and you know we go all through christmas and my voice sounds like it does right now but it had gone on this way for you know two months at this point and we were going into the third month <clears throat> and it wasn't just a regular oh I blew my voice out doing a show so you know it was like something's up here so I went to an, uh, an ear nose and throat doctor the one that I've always seen my whole life and he developed a, that I had a, a nodule on my vocal cord so no joke all bullshit aside the Friday before so we're scheduled to go in the studio on Monday to load in drums and start setting up, and then we're going to start tracking on Tuesday afternoon. What month is I this, Chris? Vocals. This is end of February. Yep. Um, so I had vocal surgery on the Friday, and the following Monday we go in the studio. And I was there at <laughs> fucking 9 a.m., man. I'm there, right? Um, and I'm not, you know, I can't really talk that first week, only just at like, um, you know, the most the most easy on my, my vocal cords I could be. Um, and so we get to that first week and I go to the doctor on the following Friday and he's like, dude, I literally wouldn't have even known you had surgery if I hadn't done it myself. You are good to go back to singing. Um, he's like, you know, just don't go full force. Just kind of warm up into singing. And man, I was so scared uh, to sing that I waited until um, like four or five days after that. I would go in and do like a low octave, um, you know, just kind of like a speaking tone vocal. So John Fred knew where the lyrics were um, on stuff that we didn't have a demo of that we could pull the vocal off of. And when I went in to sing that first song, man, I, I did some stories. And, you know, when it got to that last chorus, I was like, all right, Here's where I go to my upper register to see if mm-hmm. see what we got now. You know, has my voice changed? Has it has it uh, have I lost any register? Have I gained any register? And what I found was I was actually able. I was overshooting the notes, notes that I would normally reach for. I was I was shooting past them, and man, it was the going to the doctor was the scariest uh news i could have gotten this year even aside from touring being canceled you know that's the one element of my instrument that uh is the most vulnerable you know and i smoke which is awful but i cut out all the sodas and shit man so i only have like one caffeinated drink a day and it's not carbonated um and i'm going to just drinking like a flavored water most of the time but man um i had that surgery and like I started singing and there was a whole new resonance in my voice that had been gone for the last several years. It's back now. And, um, it's up in the upper register, man, you know, and your voice changes, you know, like three or four times throughout your life, you know, obviously through puberty and then it'll change again. And then sometime in your thirties and then one more time it changes again. Um, and I was kind of in that changing voice, scenario plus needing to have a surgery and it was dude it was it was scary i was terrified i'll bet Uh, but it was the greatest it was the greatest thing i ever did and i think you know not to pat my own back um because you know we i worked my ass off on this record singing but 
you know, once once we found out that I had this this newer power in my upper register, the guys really pushed me to stay up in there on a lot of these songs. And, you know, I'm glad I did, but, you know, I've got to rethink my approach to singing the songs live, you know, at a continuous set now, I've learned after, uh, and it, dude, it, you know, another thing is we hadn't done this in eight months, right? It was literally the from February 15th until October 14th when we played this show. And uh, we had one day of rehearsal where we went over the newer songs and that was pretty much it. And then we went and filmed the show. Um, so it's, it's going to be raw and wild and live, man. But uh, <laughs> that's the only way you guys yeah, you know, know how, though, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, dude, I, my voice ain't the only thing. So we're, we've all been texting every each other in a group message talking about how sore we are from playing our first show in eight months. Like, oh my god, dude! I get, I feel like I got hit by like an NFL lineman at full speed. Well, this is a good lesson for anybody listening to this who makes a living out of playing shows, is if you're going to go back into the field, don't do that in front of an audience first time around. You maybe want to do a little warm-up show with no audience so that your first right. your first one isn't out there on full display of the world. Because after eight months, you know, that's bound to happen. You're bound to you know, lose a little bit of that match fitness that you maintain from, from playing constantly for years and years and years. That's the longest break I mean, you'll have ever had, isn't it? Dude, man, I, I've never been home this long. I've never gone this long without a show, you know? And I mean, I sing every day around home. You know, I'll sing and I'll belt out a couple songs, but there, there's nothing you can can truly do to prepare for going for it 150% for the first time when you've gotten that much pin up and, you know, it's all you can do not to blow yourself out in the first song. Um, so that's why we went in and we did, you know, we gave the guys a, a, a morning to set up. And then we went in for three or four hours that afternoon and rehearsed and double-checked all our gear and everything. And then the next morning we came in and we, we ran over the couple of new songs that we did in the set a couple times. We ran over them once each. And, uh, and then... You know, everybody changed their clothes to their uh, their live show clothes for an empty room, <laughs> and we uh, we we played a show, man. And it was it was a different kind of experience, man. But it was it was one of those things that I'll cherish forever because it was, you know, minus the dudes with the cameras, it was just us and our crew guys with some cool lights in a room jamming and kind of like our. I don't know, man. It's 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 kind of like the most intimate form I've ever seen the four of us in what we did with this thing. I also, as well, Chris, I think it's important for bands to maintain that relationship with their fans and give those people who are missing out on live experiences something to invest in and get excited about and, and watch and listen to because I've spoken to loads of people about the streaming thing and some are like, you know, the streaming thing's not for us, we're just going to wait. And it's like, well, that's all well and good on the one hand if you think that the idea of playing in a room without people is is soulless and it doesn't have that same weight. Obviously, it doesn't, that a real show does. But the other side of that coin is your fans are all scattered around the world, sat at home, going out of their minds, missing that experience too – and I think if you can, if you have the infrastructure and the you know the technology and whatever uh, to just get on the case and film something and get it out there, so people can see it and you can keep that relationship going, you know, I think that's important. That, that's the thing, man. And and you know, for us, dude, we live in a really rural area. Um, no, I thought I thought the, you the guys lived in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Moved out here last week, <laughs> enjoying the Pasadena. <laughs> no, nah, look here. If I was going to go to California, I'd go to Pasadena before LA. Um, I just like Pasadena. It's like LA, but smaller and slower. Yep, I've been um, there. It's nice. Yeah, dude. Um, the home of David no, Lee man. Roth. <laughs> right. What we uh, what we did, man, was like like nowhere had internet that was fully capable of doing a live stream without the possibility of an interruption. Yeah. Like they just don't have cable internet everywhere around here or whatever it is that people are using now. Um, so we decided to pre-record and then just, you know, do a full show. But 
you know, we were like, well, how are we going to do this? Are we going to set up like, you know, we're filming to an audience at home or what? And to me, that just felt like that's going to be fucking weird, man. Yeah. Like trying to play to an audience. I was like, you know, we're going to put cardboard cutouts like the baseball games have been doing. Like, yeah. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? So what we did is we figured out a way and I don't want to give it away, but we figured out a way to set up where it's like really cool and intimate and it's just, there, there's a lot of vibe in it, man. And, uh, I can't wait to see it, man. You know, everything's, you know, we went and played the show and now it's off to, to be edited together from the, all the different camera angles and all that stuff. And, uh, so it's going to be awesome, man. It's going to be a, a really, really cool thing. The good thing about pre-recording it and editing it as well and producing it all up is you can create, as you say, like an atmosphere and a mood. There's something to be said for the live thing, like it's an event, it's a one-off thing, and it's about build-up and anticipation and adrenaline and all those things that the, the live show gives off. But if you're going to do it, I think for me, I'd want to do it, and I'm, I'm looking at doing a bunch of stuff myself where you – you stage it in a way that it's more like a kind of a video, like an MTV Unplugged type performance that's a show, uh, but not in the traditional sense that, you know, it's like a live concert. It's like a almost an extended music video art performance thing, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, dude. So like, so like almost like a, if you could picture storytellers um, without an audience and without the stories about the songs, just guys bullshitting with each other back and forth, you know, because we don't have an audience. Um, like that's more kind of the vibe of the thing, man. Like, and like we called it, it's a broadcast concert. Of, nice. You know, because here's the thing, man, if we did a live stream, right. And it was live at one point. Well, if people bought tickets to that, and this was my, my whole thinking and the rest of us as well, <clears throat> say, you know, Jim Bob in Lafayette, Arkansas, buys a ticket to the show and his internet provider is having a shit day that day well that's gonna suck for him because he's gonna miss half the show and it's gonna be all blotchy and suck the way we did it with it being a you know a, a broadcast concert event you have a certain amount of time to watch the thing over you know once you buy your ticket yep so you, you, you have it 48 time. hours and you can watch it like four times in that time kind of thing there's some kind of thing like that. I can't remember the exact stipulations, but I'm, I'm pretty sure like when you buy your ticket, it's like, you know, you can watch it for this, for this number, for this time frame. you can watch. It. So it's and like it's, a video you know, rental. Exactly. Yep. Essentially the best, the best I understood everything. Now, if I'm wrong, I hope people don't get pissed. <laughs> now that sounds like what it is. That's like, like a few bands have been doing it that way. And I think that's the best way to do it. As you say, if you do it live, there's the element of excitement there, but everything can go wrong. And as you say, what do you then do if people are, you know, from all over the world going, well, my stream sucked. Mine was delayed, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, this way, everybody gets the same show. It's, gu <clears throat> it's guaranteed to be high def and, and fast bit rate and all of that and just kind of set the set the sofa up get a few beers invite your friends over if you're allowed and right. sit, sit back and rock out the the tone in the studio must have been interesting because i spoke to john the day i think i spoke to john fred the day you guys finished the record it was either the day or the day after and it was just as all of this was kicking off in a big big way so when you were in that studio february march time you must have obviously been on the one hand, shut off from a lot of this news because you were busy writing and recording and, and working. But on the other hand, you must have been aware of it. And was there like this impending sense of a dark cloud of doom closing in as you were making this record? Did that kind of feed in to the vibe in the studio in any way? Well, so we were in the studio and like we were all slowly becoming aware of it, right? Like where everything's going on. And then they start to close schools right towards the end. And admittedly for me, man, like when we go in the studio, I kind of shut the outside world off as much as I can. Like I don't even listen to the radio on the way to the studio from home. I, I don't watch TV. The only thing to me that matters outside of home and the studio is that. I mean, I'm just, I, I go into this mode where, you know, I, you know, I, I know everything that's going on, but I don't really focus on it. 
So when we got out, man, after we'd been out, you know, I'd heard my wife say, you know, stories are crazy, you know, whatever. Um, I hadn't done anything. And then four or five days being out of the studio, I had to make a trip to town. And I saw how, like, you know, how much of a hold this thing had taken. And then I started, you know, really researching everything. It was just kind of incredible um, to see the world, you know, then and still even now in such a state. Um, you know, it's it's breathtaking, really. Yeah, it's been a wild year, quite unlike any other. And, and, and we knew it was going to be weird, though. We were scheduled to go play in Japan um, uh, on some military bases. Um the things we've done before that are always, you know, just a, a great time. Um, and we, uh, those got canceled. And we were like, oh, yeah, this, uh, this, this is legit now, you know, because when the military cancels and shuts down their entertainment plans, you know, they don't, they don't do it lightly because they've spent, you know, plenty of time doing that stuff. Um, but when, when that trip was canceled uh, of us going to play for the troops, we uh, we knew that, you know, it was only a matter of time before an extensive amount of other dates were either canceled or postponed or, or who knows what. And, you know, that's kind of where we still are. Um, we're finally getting to play one show, a uh, socially distanced show, where they sold um, pods. Um, so they have these pods that are distanced, and you have six seats in each pod. You have to have your temperature taken when you come in. You have to wear a mask. Everything is by CDC guidelines. Um, but uh, it was, you know, it's it's a show locally here at home. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to it, man. I mean, you know, everything is being done at the absolute safest routes possible. Um, so we're, we're excited to go do it. Yeah, for me as well, like, again, going back to this idea of how do you approach the idea of a show? Do you do nothing? Do you do a stream? Do you do a distance thing? And the people that I see closed off to ideas, for me, are the ones that are going to struggle the longer time this goes on. Because for me, if you're a creative, you have... And it's the same thing for me as going from a pub to an arena to a stadium. Like It's, it's the same mental process of adapting to suit your environment and tweaking the stage show and the act that you have to make it suitable for the situation you're presented with. And I think it's a real kind of testament to the true creatives out there, whether they're bands, whether they're comedians, whatever their craft is, that they can show that openness to what, to new ideas and that flexibility and, and, and desire to at least try. Um, and I think it will be for you guys, an interesting experiment and experience. And I'm undoubtedly confident that it will go great and you'll, you'll get something really positive out of it and your audience will too. You know, man, for us, the, the safety of everyone is the main thing. And that's why, you know, it's everyone has their temperature checked before they're allowed through the gates to go to their pod, you know. Um, and you have to wear a mask the entire time. If you don't, you will be removed by the staff. Um, it's just, you know, man, like the world of the music industry has changed. You know this so much since 2011 to 2019, right? The industry changed so much with the pouring out of your Spotify's and streaming services and things of that nature. You know, people don't buy records anymore. People stream stuff. And that's the nature of the business. So bands were at the mercy of playing live and selling T-shirts. And then you have something like this come along, and it's not only the bands, right? So, like, bands now are just down to T-shirts and whatever kind of online stuff they can do. Yep. And but it's not only us, man. Like our crew guys haven't got to work since February fifteenth. Of course. People in the performing arts across the world in all performing arts, whether it's theater, whether it's opera, any kind of performing art, you know, we uh we were the first people that our jobs were taken away and we'll be the last ones to come back. Um Yep. You know, it's it's in my opinion there's there's kind of a crazy double standard going on um in in some regards like i I don't understand how it's okay for people to play full contact sports um while you know people don't i it's it's just a weird time man like 
you know, like I, I am a guy that wears a mask every time I go in the gas station. I put on my mask everywhere we go. You know, every time we get in the vehicle, my son says, Dad, we got to wear masks when we go in the store. And I'm like, dude, COVID's still going on. And, you know, we wear masks everywhere. But then we have professional sports still going on in the United States. And while I understand people need revenue, it doesn't set the best example when you're trying to get everyone else to wear a mask, man. Like, I just, I don't get, I don't understand what we're doing a lot of days. You know what I mean? I don't don't think the people in power do, Chris. That's why we're in the state we're in. (laughs) No shit. Yeah. Like, I think the whole world, my country included, has completely misfucking handled this situation. You know, and I I don't know the right answers for it, but people in power, you know, obviously there have been places that have done great. There are places that have done horrible. I mean, you know, we had tours booked for March that I'm pretty sure are going to end up being postponed until the end of next year if they get to happen then. Um, you know, because aren't, aren't there new travel restrictions in Europe and the UK right now? Yeah, we kind of just went back to the almost original lockdown rule. Uh, the the idea now yeah, is is no households are, are allowed to mix again. You're now not allowed to go to the pub with members of other households. So it's kind of fucked over a lot of pubs because they're allowed to stay open. But the whole reason most people go to the pub is to meet up with their friends. So if you can't go there to meet up with your friends the pubs are like well we're allowed to stay open and we're having to pay the rent to stay open but we're only allowed to accept people from the same household into our pubs so i mean it's going to be a really tough winter here here in the uk and i'm sure a lot of other places as well but it's going to be a really really tough winter i think for hospitality and and I, i solemnly i swear with everything in me i want the best for the entire world but it's got to I, I don't know what we got to do, man. You know, I don't, I don't know if the people just have to, you know, finally say, look, we have to decide what's going on because you guys can't fucking do it or what's going to happen, man. Like, it's it's the weirdest. Dude, I'm 35 years old, and not only as a musician, but as a human being, 2020 is the weirdest fucking year I've ever lived through in my life. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. A hundred percent. I mean, dude, I, I, I've been I through some weird shit. Debate. <laughs> dude, I watched the presidential debate. Well, I tried to watch parts of it after it aired. And it was like two little children pissed off screaming at each other. And I'm like, in a country full of brilliant fucking people, this is what the presidential debate has come to. It's two people yelling at each other. In a country that needs unity more than any fucking thing. It, it just it blows my mind, man. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. How have you been trying to get a handle on your happiness and your sanity and your family as well, like with your immediate circle of, of loved ones, how have you guys adapted and how have you coped through this time? Uh, it's been weird, man. Honestly. Um, uh, my dad, um, he's, uh, he's doing all right. You know, he's, he's sick. Um, but, but he's, he's, he's fighting through. Um, and then, uh, you know, man, I guess around June, it's funny, the the record, there's two songs on the record that were kind of like prophetic in a way, I guess, um, and not even without trying, you know, ringing in my head. We originally wrote that um, for the Family Tree record, and it just didn't fit that record. Uh, but that people, people, your attention, please need to tell all of y'all about a new disease. The entire first verse and chorus were written in 2017 yeah on that song and then you listen to it and they're like oh it's song about covid i'm like well i guess it obviously influenced the rest of the song but the first verse and chorus <clears throat> were well before that um and then uh push down and turn is a, is a song that i'm really really partial to on the record um you know as you kind of hinted at i am uh i am very outspoken about mental health um uh, especially men, but mental health in general. You know, I, I think it's bullshit to have a stigma on anyone for mental health. Um, and you know, dudes always like, "Oh, dude, tough enough. You'll you'll get through it." Fuck that, dude. We don't always get through it. That's why people end up not alive anymore, and we mourn them. Um, I had to end up. There's a line in the song that says, "Once my mouth, two times a day. See you next month, same time, same place." Throughout this this year, um, you know, I found my, my medications not working as well as they normally did because all normalcy in my life had completely gone away. Um, and I got on the phone with my doctor, and she asked me how I'd been doing. I was doing a visit, you know, via a FaceTime, Zoom, or whatever, whatever kind of call that we do. Um, and I was like, I'm all right. She was like, you sure? And then my wife, thank goodness, said, no, he's not. I can talk to you. And I opened up and talked to her. Um, and I ended up getting on a new medication. Um, that was an additive to the, the medication that I take. And I take it twice a day. <laughs> um, so, you know, I just, I, even in something as serious as that, man, like I try to find the humor in it because life's entirely too short for anything else. You know, it's... Uh, when you watch your heroes pass away from, from illnesses, whether it be mental or, uh, or physical, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking, man. You know, Chris Cornell is one of the greatest singers that ever graced this earth. And, uh, you know, he's not here anymore. And it breaks my heart. Same thing with Chester. Um, I never met either one of those guys, but I can definitely tell you, that there were times I sat back and listened to both of those and tried to emulate notes that they would hit and just laugh because there was no way. Um, such incredible talent. Eddie Van Halen, man, you know, cancer. Same thing my old man's fighting. And it's just life's too short not to try to find the good in something and the positivity in something. Um, you know, 2020 has been a shit show. But my son turned eight years old a couple of days ago. And I've got to be home with him for the last eight months. And that's something I haven't got to do since the kid was born. Um, I get to sit on the front porch with my dad, who's a sick man. Um, I spend quality time with him every morning. So, you know, and dude, you know what's fucked up is it took me a long time to not feel bad about feeling good about that. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's like it was it was it was tough to swallow for me to feel good about being at home with my dad and my son and my wife because the world was in such a shit place is why I'm home. 
So that was like, I felt guilty for feeling good about being home. Um, but then I just had to make myself understand, you know, that I'm just trying to make the best of the situation. Um, you know, and it, it, it's a weird time, man. It's a weird place. And uh, I know this thing has been, you know, a train wreck on people's mental health. You know, I know it's, I know it's been hard financially on all of us, but, you know, people that didn't even deal with mental health issues before, you know, now doubt themselves sometimes. And it's, it's all because the world was literally the world has been held captive by this virus, man. And, um, it's, it's the craziest thing that, uh, I've ever lived through. And, uh, I hope it's the craziest thing I ever have to live through, you know, because me aside, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I can make do, but there's a hundred million other people in the world that, that, you know, can't make do with the situation at hand and, and need something or need help. And they, I just hope the powers that be around the world can figure out how to truly help people. Um, you know, I got asked about politicians one time about politics and I said, my, my, um, stance on politics and politicians is simply that when they truly give a flying fuck about people, I'll care about them. Because if politicians around the world could truly all come together, um, I think that we could find a way to help each other. There's too many brilliant people in the world for the amount of ignorant problems the world has. And even those challenging problems that the world has could be solved um, with the right people in place all around the world. There's so many things I want to say off the back of that. Let me try and see if I can order them in my head so we can get through them. Um, well, first of all, if mankind could put aside its petty, ego-driven squabbling, as you said earlier in reference to that presidential debate that is a classic example of it but this is something that you know if you look back through the history of time is the downfall of humanity is that self obsession with you know more and and like greed and ambition and all these things which define humankind like if we could put aside those things and it was interesting because at the start of lockdown and quarantine as as the world was closing down and people were shutting their doors and staying home to protect each other, I really felt for the first time in my lifetime this overwhelming worldwide sense of a global community actually putting aside their differences for the first time ever. I felt that. I don't know whether it was just an over-romantic notion in my head, but I felt that at that moment, for a while, people were trying to look out for each other in a real way and they were trying to put other people's health before their own immediate concerns and it was a beautiful worldwide movement that i witnessed for a while there and then people got as they inevitably were going to frustrated and boredom sets in and then people start worrying about themselves as that's natural and then it all starts up again and then you see the division and then you see the name calling and the mud throwing and all these things start happening again and and then it kind of all just started spiraling out of control again, didn't it? And I think that's when it really started to become scary because we thought, wow, there's no end in sight to this and there's still not. And it's it's as you say, man, I do think that if people could just put the great minds of this world together and think with our hearts as well as our heads, like not only the COVID situation, but, you know, famine and pollution and global warming and the uneven distribution of wealth, like all these things are achievable, but I don't know, man. I don't know whether we're just too greedy as a species or whether that's too too much of a cynical view. I don't know. It's attainable, though. It's certainly attainable. I do believe that. For me, one of the biggest problems in the world is, is the fucking media, and especially in the country I live in. Um, they feed hate. Like when a lot of positivity is going on, they want to feed the hate side of it because hate sells and hate sells their ratings. Yeah. You look them up and they're, they're listed as entertainment, not media or news operations. You know, it's, it, it's, it, that's the one thing that like, dude, I, I am wholeheartedly proud to live in the United States of America. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of where I'm from. And I'm proud of the country I live in. That doesn't mean I have to be proud of everything that 
people do that reflect that, right? Um, so when you look at the media in the United States, I literally canceled my fucking TV, man, because everything I looked up, every time I turned on the news, they could never show any kind of positivity. It was always something negative, man. And if you feed negativity to something, it's only going to grow off of negativity. You have to feed positivity to reproduce positivity. And the media in the United States just does not do that, man. The, the big ones don't anyways. The ones that control everything, they pit the left against the right, and it's all it ever is. Like it's... Yeah, it's the same here, but what I've really noticed and what really worries me is that as now, I mean, I guess it's always been there, but social media really accelerates this, is people fall into those traps and they do exactly what those people trying to sell and push the hate want, which is they buy into it and they start squabbling amongst themselves and they go online and start, you know, vilifying one group of people and attacking another and really just kind of throwing so much negativity out and here and there and everywhere rather than just trying to start with themselves and start at home and start with those that are immediately around you and just try and take care of those people and yourself and just do good in your own little pocket. And then that spreads out. And, you know, I found myself, I used to be one of those guys who's like fucking hippies, man, that never changed the world. You know what I mean? The, the, the hippie revolution failed. It didn't work. Like we need more direct action and, and we do, but I found myself this year really going back to a lot of those ideas and classic kind of, you know, peaceful, philosophical, brilliant people like Gandhi and leaders like this that really set the example of just like start with yourself and be the change in the world that you want to see and and just what can you do on an individual basis on a local basis to try and change the world for the better and affect positive change and and not just feed into this cycle and maelstrom of hatred which as you say the media are entirely responsible for pushing but I'm seeing more and more people in both our countries being lulled into that and falling for it and wasting all their energy. It amazes me. It amazes me that people literally have full on family fights over CNN or Fox. And I'm like, dude, at the end of the day, you know, there was a native American, um, chief asked one time on politics and he said, left wing, left wing, right wing come from same bird. Yep. You know, I mean, and that's that. That's the thing, man. It's like it. It's, it's such a shit show, man. Like people, 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 people. That's what matters. It doesn't matter what what party you are. It matters what policies are in your heart and what policies you're going to try to you know bring forth in the world that are going to bring a positive change. You know. Some kind of positivity, dude. There's been nothing but negativity in the news for so long now that what do they expect from us, man? People are going fucking nuts because they're sitting at home, they're stuck at home, or they're not, and they're part of the people that just disregard everything and create their own thing. And dude, it gets it gets us all in this situation where it's it's a limbo, right? You got you got the people who try to follow the guidelines, and you got people who just say, "I'm tired of doing it. I'm not going to do it at all," because we're not being told what to do in a in a in a in a way that makes anybody feel safer about anything. You know what I mean? Like it's just kind of like, "Oh, well, there's this information, and then there's this information, and then this information," and then while we're doing that, we're screaming at each other. A little longer, you know what I mean? Yeah, man, it's it's really disheartening. I wanted to ask you as well. You were mentioning a moment ago about falling into this trap of feeling guilty for feeling joy, and I think that's been something that's really important for me to get my head around and not allow myself to be trapped by. Is like everybody's suffering, and just because you have a moment of joy here or there that doesn't make you a bad person for enjoying that. And I think actually there though, those little moments are the, the things that really get us through 
these hard times and actually it's really important to run towards that and like hug that moment and really embrace it and and be grateful for it because i'm finding it's those little moments and those little things and humility and gratitude and and just trying to focus on the good and and see it for oh well you know i haven't worked for eight months this is a drag but what i have got to do in that time is spend all this amazing quality time with my son which I haven't had the chance to do up until now. And when things start right. up again, we'll you know, have less of a chance to do. So actually, let's really make each moment in this time count and enjoy it and, and be thankful for it. I'll do it 100%. You know, I mean, and, you know, we like I said, we, we filmed our show the other day. And, dude, I'm a 35-year-old grown-ass man. And I will straight sit here and tell you, I... On the way home, my wife called me and asked me how it went. And I started crying because it was the first time in eight months that I had felt the normalcy I had known for the last 19 years. <laughs> Is that your son that's shouting really in the background weird. there? I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's him hollering for the dog who's right behind him on the porch. Yeah, what a wild, wild ride. And um, another thing I wanted to, to touch on, if um, if you're all right with it, but no worries if not. But so for me, um, my mum's manic depressive and, and she, before this year, had been like breakdown free and well for the best part of a decade, which is the longest in her life. Like it's been an, an amazing stretch of health and clarity and sanity. And she's been doing really well. And then this year just buckled her, man. Like it buckled me as well. And I, I had a bit of a sort of mini meltdown, but nothing to the extent of what my mum had because her, her case of it is a lot worse. And so in my family, I can relate definitely to, you know, struggling with you're used to this medication that you're on working and doing its job. And then even when that's not working, then you think, oh, my God, like there's no there's no end in sight here. Like the, the walls are closing in. Oh, dude, it's a scary feeling, isn't it? This year what it has been the first time I've had that black hole feeling in several years where it's just like, it's just fucking endless, man. You know, like that, that no way out feeling, but man, you know, it's, it's that, that's, that's where I go back to trying to find some kind of positivity in something, man. Like, even the shittiest of situations, I'll try to find something to at least laugh about. And I don't care if people look at me like I'm crazy. If I can at least find something to just take my mind off of how bad it is for a minute, then I can start that thought process of how to make it better. But I've, I've got to have that moment, you know, to either laugh or or to bring it out of the darkness to, to start turning it into light. Talk to me about your boys as well as we approach the end of the chat, Chris. Uh, you're obviously childhood friends, and I think all bands, in my heart, all bands should be a gang of brothers. Not all of them are. Um, sometimes you can see that there's, you know, there's tension and there's kind of fraction and fallouts and things like this. And obviously every partnership, relationship, band dynamic goes through highs and lows. But I've known you guys for the best part of 10 years now, and... You know, I just love being around all four of you. And it's clear to me every time we catch up and I see you all like there is such deep, profound love that runs back and forth between all of you. Um, talk to me about the importance of those guys in your life on a personal level, as much as on a creative collaborative level, like through the stuff that you've been through in your life. Um, how important has your friendship with those guys been to staying on you know, the right track and how much have they helped you out when you've been in need? My group message with the band probably has 40 messages a day. Um, dude, I mean, we were friends before we were a band. We'll always be that way. And that's, that's, that's who we are. I mean, it just, the hardest times of my life, the best times of my life, they've been there to experience it with me. Um, you know, dude, when you live with people, basically all of your adult life, um, there's just a bond that you have that it's hard to describe in words, but you get there and, and when you get there, man, it's something really special. Um, and it's something that I'm extremely thankful for, especially in a year like this, that, you know, we've got such a, a tight brotherhood and a bond. And even with our crew guys, man. Um, yep. 
same thing for them. You know, it's just we're it's it really is a family, and anyone who's ever been a part of our crew would would tell you the same. Even if they're not with us anymore, it's always been a family. And all the success that you've enjoyed just couldn't have happened to a nicer group of people. And you've always been good as gold to everybody that I've seen you deal with. And you've always been amazing with me. And, you know, all our encounters are always memorable and joyful. And I just am so proud of everything you've achieved, mate. And I'm so pleased for you. And every step of the way, it just continues to get bigger and i mean music as well like what about that who'd have thought that you know you sort of touching it right at the start of our conversation all those years ago when you were starting out who would have thought that you know music and rock and roll has you know could have given you even a third of the things you've already enjoyed and obviously the road is is still winding on but i mean what an amazing man life right true story true story i grew up a kid we didn't have cable tv when i was in middle school uh, the only actual uh, running water in the bathroom at our old house we lived in. And, man, my parents did all they could. They, they really did. Uh, but the bathroom, the the only way you could get water out of the, uh, the tub or the sink was to pour it down the toilet. The water ran, but they just the pipes were old and rusted in the old house and stuff. And... Uh, you know, we lived in a, a four-room house and it had a kitchen built on the back that all four of the rooms connected with me, my sister, my brother, my mom, and dad. And, uh, man, I remember playing, there's a videotape somewhere, man, where I'm playing uh, two by four by Metallica and I've got an old Kingston guitar and I've just got my hand around the neck and I'm jamming. And I remember I'd watch Metallica's Cunning Stunts after I started playing guitar, sitting in that same bedroom, man, and I'd go, if one of these days I could ever do anything like that, that would be amazing. And, dude, I've been extremely blessed. Um, I, I, I came from, you know, <laughs> living in a house where the running water in the bathroom, a lot of times if you want to take a good hot bath, you would heat the water up and, uh, you know, on the stove or something and pour it in one of those tubs and take a bath that way. Um, to, I get to, uh, I get to travel the world and play music for people that seem to enjoy it. I mean, dude, if that ain't a, if that's not a fairy tale life, I, I, I can't tell you what one would be. I couldn't ask for anything different to happen to me, man. I got a beautiful wife, beautiful kid, and, and people all around the world that love what me and my band of brothers do it's uh it's the greatest fucking thing i could ever ask for and it's it's been one of the greatest medications i've ever had in life and i found that out this year when it was taken away from me um and uh, you know on a selfish personal note for me personally you know i, I need that medication back in my life and i can't wait to get back out there and, and play some music for people man well, roll on the return, dude, and uh, make me a promise. You don't have to play at the Royal Albert Hall, because I know that's a special one for you. <laughs> but when you're back over right. here, you've got to play Don't Bring Me Down at least one of those UK shows and let me know which one it's going to be so I can be there throwing my it. fists in the air. <laughs> you got it, man, because I, I was smart. When we were in the studio, I made Ben sing the chorus. <laughs> so so when the chorus comes in and it's the higher vocal Roosh. that's Ben so I, so I I sang all the verses and then Ben and John Fred did the heavy lifting on the choruses so we can do that one anytime man amazing it's such a PMA anthem as well like especially in that context of a cover you, you kind of reassess a song don't you and you go wow this is just I mean obviously it says don't bring me down but what like a, a triumphant anthem for the human spirit um, and, and one yeah, that we, dude, I mean, it, we need in these times. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. We tried to do our best ZZ Top with it, man. <laughs> well, it's killer, man. The whole record's amazing, and um, I hope that everything goes well with the, the live show and the release of it. Thank you. And have, have a great Christmas and stuff, my friend. We can already start saying that, you I do, guess, because it'll be here before we know it. Chris, you're a wonderful man, and it was a pleasure, oh, to you, brother. as always, catching up with you, my friend. Thank you for your time. Uh, and then back at you man anytime until next time dude you take care of yourself and rest that voice of yours man
Yeah, man, I will. <laughs> Cheers, Chris. All right, buddy. See you, buddy. Amen. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.